Welcome everyone to the Church Explained podcast, a conversation to grow your leadership and build your church. On today's podcast, we're very excited. We've got Pastor Sim Dandy, heads up Freedom Church, and he's going to share on the podcast of why, as a leader, you need to be healthy if you want to grow a healthy church. Hey, I'm Dave. And I'm Nathan, and we are your hosts on the Church Explained podcast. And today, we are joined on the podcast by the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Sim Dendy. Uh, Sim has been a church leader for over 20 years and is, uh, I'm reading a little bio I've got here of you, Sim. You're a presenter and communicator speaking regularly at conferences and churches around the UK. He's also part of the leadership team for Spring Harvest and the senior leader of Freedom Church based in Romsey in the UK. So welcome, Sim. It's good to have you with us. Why don't you just share a little bit more about yourself, your family, and uh, maybe your leadership role? Yes, thank you very much. Good to be with both of you. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Nathan. It's good to be on your podcast. Uh, yes, I lead Freedom Church here in the south coast of England, and I'm married to Lottie. Uh, this will be our 25th wedding anniversary this year. If we get to go anywhere next month, who knows? But we're hoping to celebrate in some way. And I've got four children. I call them children, but i kind of got two fellas and a couple of girls. So my boys are 22 and 19 and uh, hopefully trying to remove them from the home slowly. Uh, so Zach, Levi, Flo and Jemima are my amazing children. That's amazing. That's amazing. And Dave, you recently, well, I, I read his book, Simple Church. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe when my dad got sent a free copy. Sorry, Sim. But you read it recently as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I picked it up recently and uh, I was really... Uh, Touch with this idea of healthy leadership, healthy church. And that's what we want to talk about mm. on the podcast today. Yeah. Talk around that idea. And uh, you had a great quote in there. Well, you've probably lots of good quotes in there, but one I want to pick up on <laughs> is this. You say in the book that um, a healthy church leader can take a disillusioned group of believers and give them life and direction. So I think it's a brilliant quote, that. Yeah, and I was just wondering if you could speak into that a little bit around this idea of healthy churches, healthy leaders, mm. and how they connect together. Yeah. I think one of the helpful ways to look at these things is to flip them all around as well. And so an unhealthy church leader can bring disillusionment, can bring damage, can bring people down. And just the same way, a, a leader that's got uh, energy and life that is connected to the Spirit of God uh, can take a group of people who've lost their way and say, here's the way forward. And you think about the story of Moses, you know, when he goes to the people of Israel and they, they've been slavery for 400 years. And he goes, there's another way of doing this. Or you think about Nehemiah and the story of Nehemiah when he comes along with a disillusioned group of people. He goes, we could build this wall. I can take, what, 52 days and we'll be done. And these people who've been there for 70 years that go, seriously? And so a leader can bring so much to a group of individuals. And I think we often underestimate the power of leadership, both in its health and it's also negativity, the power to bring uh, some possibilities. And I've had this experience myself. You know, I took on the church at the moment and it, it, it lost its way. It, it, it found itself in a very difficult place. Now, the previous ministry have been unhealthy, um, physically unwell for some years and uh, as approaching retirement age. And I took on the church and I looked around and everyone seemed like they were flagging, they were tired, they were worn out. But within matters of weeks, if not months, 
suddenly people's heads were up. They were like, believing it was possible again that we could affect our community. We could make a difference in our town. And suddenly everything changed. And it wasn't I'd done anything particularly special. I just set a bit of a trajectory of expectation, of vision, and, and hopefully healthy within myself. And I do believe you can turn a community around. And clearly you've seen that, and that's what you're saying. In your own church setting, you've went in there and you've made a difference. You've also touched a little bit there in this idea of that can happen in the opposite. Like you can have a church leader who can go in and... Um, they can cause, I suppose, if we say, uh, damage within yeah, the church. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that and, and maybe what you've seen there in your own, own experience. You don't have to give up names today. We don't want you to do that. <laughs> but just share a little bit about, you know, what, what you've seen, because I think you're, you're right. That is true, really. You can yeah. have both edges there, can't yeah. you? Yeah, well, yeah. absolutely right. Leadership is powerful, and power can be used to harm and to also to celebrate and to build. And and so when it's when it squashes people, it's unhealthy. When it lifts people up, it's really healthy. And uh, you know, I wouldn't talk about names necessarily, but I could talk about one name, which would be John Wesley. John Wesley started the Methodist Church, and it took it from a non-existent founded the Methodist Church, and it was there to support the Anglican Church. It grew and it blossomed. But when John Wesley died, the Methodist Church said, we will never allow anyone to have that much power again. And so now the Methodist Church, who I worked with for a number of years, they will have an annual president who each year gets rotated round to ensure that no one ever has that much power. And they've done it to stop things going wrong. But then the flip side is you miss out on the possibility of what could go right. And I understand why they did it, but I'm just not sure it's the right reason. And I think someone's asked what we do out fear at what a leader might do with power. We then say, let's not have any of that happening anymore. Let's reduce leadership. And I believe leadership is, is ultimate, should be one of, of, of loving and serving and helping others around you. And, and when it's unhealthy, you've got to have accountability and structures to remove someone when it gets to a place where it's unhelpful. But it, it comes down to the, the heart of the leader. If as a leader, you are Jesus-centered, if you are other people-centered, then you will lead well. If as a leader, you are self-centered, self-motivated, what can I get out of this, this position? What can I achieve? What can I gain? Then that's where every decision starts getting just twisted slightly. Oh, this will suit me and my family more. This will suit me and my bank balance more. This will suit me and my holiday plans more, rather than actually what the needs of the people. So, for instance, in our present scenario in, in Freedom Church, you know, we're we're coming out of a season of lockdown. We're trying to recreate new ways of doing church. We've gone into multi-site, multi-locations, and we've gone from one online service, which I was away from at ten past eleven in the morning. We were done. <laughs> and suddenly we go right we go multi-church multi-site multi-location we're streamed live to all these different places it's more complex it's more challenging and we could go up it's just hard work it doesn't suit my needs i'd rather do less work for the same amount of pay but actually no we're here to serve others we're here to serve the communities around us and not for our own personal benefit so when leadership becomes unhealthy it becomes self centered when it's healthy it's other people centered how can i lead others? i think what you what you're talking about is really really important in terms of uh the focus and the heart of the leader as you called it and um i guess in this moment as well we've seen so many leaders who uh have 
faced issues and faced problems because it has become self-centered, uh, maybe even a little bit ego-driven, uh, if we could use that term, a little bit ego-driven and been part of that. So uh, just just flipping back, you mentioned some words like caring and serving. Uh, I guess these would be kind of Jesus's model of leadership, but I wondered if you'd just dive into that a little bit more is what is the model of Jesus's leadership and how do we grab that as leaders today yeah i think exactly right jesus did model incredible leadership when you think about what he did two thousand years later we have a global movement started by jesus and his small crew of followers it's incredible and we're all here today as followers of jesus because someone else led us to meet him and so it's something being passed down from generation to generation incredible but for me one of the things jesus did was he led by example and so he never did something expected other that you know wasn't doing already he went he went first and i think as leaders often we can point and go you should all go that way like no you need to lead and so it starts by you going first if you're not willing to put your hand in your pocket to put your money in the offering don't expect anyone else to put their money in it's not going to happen and jesus went first he got up early he prayed he spoke gently to those on the edge of the community where others were pushed them out you know he said let the children come to me don't hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those such as these and he set an example he served he he went and he, he healed those on the edges he went to the the sick he went to the woman at the well he went to the woman caught in adultery he went to the leper uh, colony and he spoke to people that the community said oh don't do that he led by example he ate with sinners he sat around the table and he raised a glass of freshly turned water into wine with all the you know the the, the different people there the samaritan Yes. you know yeah. the, the stories he told and the people he led by example mm. and i think that's often as leaders we don't always appreciate what we do by example and let me tell you a story that um it, it makes me look in a good light but you'll understand me just telling this story because i can only tell stories about my, myself that i've experienced <laughs> but i had this moment where I, I i met a guy who was leading a church and he was starting up a church so i remember you he said i came to a big conference once where you were speaking and you really impacted me. And I said, what, what did I say? I can't remember what I said. He said, no, it wasn't what you said. It was later on after you'd spoken, I was in the corridor and I was holding an empty coffee cup and I didn't know where to throw it, didn't know where the bin was. And I just said to him, here, let me take that. And I took the cup from him and I threw it in the bin because I knew the building. And he blew him away that I would take his coffee cup, having just got off a platform and spoken. And now I just thought nothing of it. I'm like going, why would you not help someone who just, just looked a bit lost? You know, they were just visited the building and I helped them out. But that blew me away much more than my words on the stage. And I think some days, like you say, with a celebrity kind of culture, we think if we stand on the stage, we look good and we sound good, then that will be enough. It's not enough. And I think what Jesus did was he led by example. He was the real deal throughout. He wasn't just the nice words on the Sermon on the Mount. He always uh, carried out what he said he would do himself as well as expect others to do the same. And so the challenge is there to are we willing to serve others? Great. And, and sometimes, and this will be my challenge, anyone listening here who wants to be a leader, um, start by putting yourself in the place where you're serving where you don't want to do it. You know, I'm always reminded that story of, of Jesus tells the story of two sons and the, the dad goes to one son and says, will you help me? And he goes, yeah, sure. And, and he doesn't help. Then he goes to the next son. The son goes, no, I'm not going to do that. But he helps anyway. Mm. And I think we, God is interested in our, our just willingness to go, I'm going to do this anyway. Yeah. And are we willing to serve God's people anyway? Are we willing to clean up people's mess 
before they arrive and after they go? Or do we just want to swan in late and turn up but everything's been set up for us? Are we willing to put the chairs out or do we just want to have the microphone? And, and I think that's a challenge to all of us. However advanced we are in our ministry experience, we're never too advanced to become more like Jesus, to get on our knees and to serve those around us. That's it. Great idea, that. And um, you, you, you mentioned in your book that there's like four hallmarks, you say, of um, leadership. Do you want to just talk a little bit more into those? What, what are those four hallmarks? So if people are listening, maybe even they're listening to the podcast and they're thinking, oh, maybe I need to do a little bit of a check on my own life. Uh, which is good to do, you know, how am I serving, what am I doing? What are the other hallmarks do you think a leader should be looking for in their lives? Now, let's be up front, yeah. and um, I've stolen some of them. It's okay. So, Still uh, like an artist. Bill Hybels talks about the three C's yeah. of, of leadership, and so they're quite famous, character, competency, and chemistry. And I think um, there's a whole conversation there, but, but character, who are you when no one is watching? Who are you when you think you're by yourself? That's character. And, um, you know, I'm always looking out for leaders and I'm looking out for them, not when they're on the platform, but when they're just doing other things. Yeah. Who is listening to them? Are they gathering people? Uh, when they do things, do other people follow and copy what they're doing? And so I'm always looking out at, at, at people just as so they serve. They, 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 they look out for people in need. They go to people at the edges of the community. And I'm always looking for the character of somebody. Who are you and no one's watching? So I try to watch when people think I'm not watching. That sounds like a stalker. I get that. But that's <laughs> I try and do because I think, and I ask myself the question: Who yeah. am I when when no one's watching? It's it's okay to be impressive when you you're meant to be impressive because people have asked you to stand and speak to a community of people. But who am I when you know my family aren't even watching? When I'm by myself? When I'm in my head with my own thoughts? What am I like then? So the character is really important. I think you can't replace character with anything else. But another really important part, which I think sometimes in the Christian world. We ignore this, Pete. We go, oh, as long as you've got character, then the rest of it doesn't really matter. Mm. Competency is really important. Are you good at what you do? Yeah. Yeah. And just saying, oh, well, they're a nice person. <laughs> That's not good enough. Oh, they're yeah. really good when no one's watching. Great. Yeah, yeah. But can they even do the job? Yeah, yeah. Mm. You know, are they able to do it? You know, do they lead people well? Are they effective? Do they, do they communicate effectively? Do they respond well? And so their competency is really important. And then the third one is, is about chemistry. Do you fit into the organisation? Do you fit in with others? Because it's all very well being a great leader, a great character, great ability, but if you just don't fit, you're always going to be frustrating to others and frustrating to yourself. You'll find yourself going, I just hit, hitting against the brick wall all the time. But the fourth C I did in the book was the one about calling. And I think this is so important. If as a leader... You are called to do what you are doing. When I say calling, I mean, you just know God has spoken to you. This is what you're meant to be doing. It's your gut feel that when those days come and you get that really aggressive email or someone just says something about you or your family member or someone just absolutely hammers you for something you've said or a book you've written or whatever it is you've done, it, it can, you know, the greatest person can just, you know, shrivel if they don't remember, God called me to do this. He asked me to do this. We spoke earlier about Moses and God called Moses, Moses to face all kinds of different trials with Pharaoh and had to keep reminding himself, this is what God has called me to do. And so it's been so important for me personally as a leader when I've hit hurdles and challenges to remind myself, this is not my plan. This is God's plan. Mm. I'm called to do this. It's not my desire. And I would say that's essential. So we can have great character, great competency, great chemistry. 
But ultimately, I always say to leaders or people who, who say, I feel like I should be a leader. I said, do you know God's calling on your life? If you know God's calling, the rest of it will, we can work out. That's amazing. I, lo- I love that. What you just said at the end, if you know God's calling, uh, the rest of it we can work out. And uh, I guess the, the power in the calling part of that is that in the moments where you do feel like, you know, I, I want to give up, actually, it's not an option. Uh, you might feel like it, but it's not an option. I, I'm called to this. Uh, I'm called to do this. So we're talking healthy leader and healthy church. Uh, we've looked at those four hallmarks of healthy leadership. What would you say are the hallmarks of a healthy church? Wow. I mean, this is, this is the whole crux of simply church, the book that I wrote. So I'll try and sum up briefly for the sake of our time, but I would, I would encourage anyone who wants to create a healthy church to look straight to Acts chapter two, 42 to 47. It's five of the most powerful verses for any church leader to read. And, and I would, I would argue if your church does not reflect that, then you still have some work to do. And I would probably say we all still have some work to do because I've written in the book there. It was, there's these 10 hallmarks that exist in Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47 that are essential to today's church. It may be a different um, era but I still think it's relevant today. So we should be people that preach the word of God. Mm. I think that's essential. We should be people where there is fellowship and community and family and belonging. Uh, where I think there's importance around food. We've missed this since last season. The importance to eat together, to sit around a table and just relax together, know one another properly, um, to pray, um, not just as a kind of a start of a meeting, but as a habit, as a culture that we're people of prayer. Uh, for awe of signs and wonders, the move of the Holy Spirit and power, the charismatic movement was not just a thing of the 70s or the 90s of the Toronto blessing. I believe God and his spirit wants to move and continue to move amongst our churches. Um, uh, meeting together, regularly gathering. You know, Don't put off the time of gathering, of two or three gather my presence. Those things are really important. We need to gather. And then the one that this way gets difficult, the sharing everything you have. <laughs> Um, have what's mine is yours. If I've got something, you need it, you can have it. To uh, and then to live generously, to have an open wallet, to be the first person to buy the round of the drinks. Uh, you know, if you can get to a pub, that's the sort of thing you can do. To live generously, and then last two about how do we worship? Thank God, focused. I'm focused on God and His purposes. And then they also met in homes. There's something about meeting in homes where you are known. And I know that it's not everyone's thing. That, oh, we can go meet in a coffee shop. True. But when you meet in someone's house, if you came to my house, you would learn so much more about me. You'd know the way that my family can, you know, operates, the way that my house is laid out, the things are on my walls and how I welcome you in and whether I give you a nice drink or whether I try and fob you off with a cheap something or other. You know, it makes a difference. And meeting in homes, you get to be more known, so more vulnerable. So those 10 hallmarks, obviously every church needs to have them because a church is this vibrant community of believers Uh, but it looks like the early church just in a modern uh, way of doing it and we and we see sim that a couple of your favorite movies are rocky balboa and greece there on the wall to your left. <laughs> this is yeah, we call this our games room. We've got like a screen up so we can watch films. And when we put the my wife loves interior decorations, she said, you know, everyone gets to choose their favourite movie. And uh, yeah, Rocky was all right, but I've managed to persuade my son, Levi, we watch Creed together. You can't Oh, very good. I, I thought I thought yours was gonna be Greece actually. <laughs> 
Hey, hey, some some great stuff there. A couple of other things just to draw out of that. I mean, if if they are the hallmarks of a healthy church, do you think a church or like a church do you, do you think they should track those things? And and if so, what would you recommend? Let's say a church is watching church leader and thinking, yeah, sounds great that, but how how do I really get these to work in my setting? You know, should they track them? This, 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 this is this is probably the toughest question because I think it's all very well having principles and ideas and we can theorise and write books about stuff but when the rubber hits the road how do you measure stuff because you don't measure stuff it, it never actually happens if you never actually count it doesn't count you know people are are more than numbers I get that people are more important than any spreadsheet or pie chart 100% but if you don't count things, you've got no track of, is this actually working? Are people really, and this is, it's not about bums on seats and cash yeah. in the bank. They're the two things often churches, because you can, you can work those out. But trying to understand, is our church more in love with Jesus today than they were a year ago? Mm. Is a harder thing to answer the question. Mm. Do we have a culture of prayer, not just prayer meetings? These are tough questions. Are we a more generous church? And that isn't just about, did you give away from your budget? But did I give away from my pocket? Mm-hmm. And is this is this now seeping into the whole of the church life? Is, is, do we have a generous community? So absolutely right. These are tough questions. So metrics are really helpful, are important, but they don't show everything. And I would say 100%, yes, you should track things. You should track numbers. You should track health and attendance and all those kind of things. But you cannot beat... Uh, as a church leader being in the room with people you cannot be actually face to face looking someone in the eye and go how are you actually doing mm-hmm. and and you've got to know your church you cannot sit in an ivory tower as a leader and read spreadsheets and be a remote leader and i know it's like because in this last in, in, in the pandemic i've had to almost do, do leadership by remote control and you don't know who's watching your numbers on the screen but who are those numbers but when you start to go outside and you get to see someone, you get to walk with them, you get to, you know, look them in the eye. Um, you know, for me, these last few weeks, having church open up again and be able to go round to our different locations to catch the vibe in the room, to see what's really going on in people's lives and just go, how are you doing? And just to kind of look at them and, and sense what God is doing. No metric tells you that. And so I, I say metrics are important, but you must know your church. You know, a shepherd must know its sheep. You can't just know your spreadsheets. So it's not a very helpful answer. In some ways, it's both and. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, let's, let's count. Let's count our sheep. But let's yeah. care for our sheep as yeah. well. No, I love that. Don't don't just uh, look at your spreadsheets, but look at your sheep. Um, it's a good quote. It, it's it's a, a great good quote. For a book. Yeah, yeah. And uh, maybe maybe that's your next book, Sim, um, which is uh, really great. And um, I guess it goes back. Uh, if I was just to kind of link it back to right at the start where we were talking about, you know, being a healthy leader, uh, I guess a healthy leader and, you know, and that kind of celebrity culture, even ego, pride would stay away from, you know, kind of the conversations with people. But actually being a healthy leader leads you to that place of asking those questions. How are you doing? Um, would you agree with that, Sim? 100%. Yeah, you know, if, if you're not healthy as a leader, you will create an unhealthy church, right? We said at the beginning. And I think this is so important. Uh, I think myself as a leader, when I know when I'm in a good place, spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally, vocationally, with my finances, I know when I'm in a good place, I lead better. I impact people more. I, I can create greater leadership. I can ask 
you know, good questions of people. When I'm in a bad place, yeah. I'm an avoidance behavior. I'm trying to, you know, make excuses and I'm ignoring other people's behavior as well because I think I can't call them out because my behavior yeah. sucks. My attitude sucks. So why should I, you know, so I, so I think you're absolutely right. And if I can recommend one book, it's not mine. I would, I would, um, this is uh, The Emotionally Healthy Leader by Pete Scazzaro. Absolutely first, first class. And let me tell you an honest story. I've just been rereading that book and I read it and I said to my wife, so I should have read that book five years ago when it first came out. Um, I've wasted those five years because that's such a good book. Every leader should be reading and understanding about their own well-being. And then here's the embarrassing thing. I went through my bookshelves the other day. I was doing a little bit of kind of like just tidying up. And I realized I bought the book when it first came out and never read it. I left it on my shelf and then I just picked it up again. I bought another copy and I realized I just bought a copy, put it on the shelf, went, oh, that, I'll, I'll get round to that. And I think as a leader, you've got to invest in yourself. Do find books to read. Um, God's Plan for Your Well-Being by Dave Smith. Superb book. We're running through that as a church at the moment. Excellent. Anything by Ruth Haley Barton, Strengthen the Soul of Your Leadership. Brilliant book. But the Pete Scazzaro, uh, the Emotionally Healthy Leader, is superb. And it will get you to ask honest questions. And get some accountability. I think the challenge of being a church leader is often you think, oh, I'm at the top of my organization. Where do I go for accountability? Find people beyond yourself. And I have people I meet with regularly, I go to regularly and saying, help me, am I on track here? And ask good questions of my leadership. But you know, it's so this is honestly, this is so important. You know, we talk before about mumps and measles. You know, as a leader, if you say you've got mumps, but you actually got measles, the people in your church will catch what you're carrying. And if you're carrying something unhealthy, they will capture that. If if you are a generous person, if you are a worshipping God-centered person, if you are someone who prays regularly, they will catch what you're carrying. And so it starts with you as a leader. I wish there was an easier way. I wish you could just do the metrics. I wish you could just do a beautiful service with a nice platform presentation and a really good talk and you're done. But the truth is, it starts with you as an individual. And, and if I'm in a good, healthy place, my church will go healthy as well. Hey, that's brilliant. Hey, we're, we're about to wrap up in a moment. But before we do, you've, you've mentioned two things there, uh, you know, in regards to a leader in the sense if they're doing a bit of a check, You've mentioned um, they need accountability and they need self-investment to sort of grow as a healthy leader. Anything else you would throw in there that you think, hey, uh, the, here's a couple of other things you can look at to make sure you're healthy as a leader? Yeah, don't get isolated. I think the biggest challenge is when leaders get isolated. And I think what happens is we withdraw when we know we're not healthy and we go into a downward spiral. What we need to be doing is starting connecting and reaching out to our peers and our friends and other, and that's why it's important to have friends in, who lead other churches and saying, can you help me? That's why it's important to go to leadership conferences and to connect and build relationship and networks beyond yourself to inspire yourself to other things. So I would say don't get isolated. When you get isolated, you then become your own worst critic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can you can pull everything apart on a Monday morning, and you need other people to say. When I look into your community, when I look into your leadership, I see really good things, and here's what I can tell you. So, don't get isolated. Do get connected. Build friendships. You know, this this is a it's a tough gig being a church leader. It's a tough gig. We need some friends. 
We need people that actually like us for being who we are, and we enjoy being with them. So, you know, pick up the phone, uh, arrange a coffee, pay for the coffee yourself, or pay for the lunch yourself, invite someone around, and engage with people, and don't get isolated. We're our worst when we're by ourselves. Well, what a great episode that has been together, and we want to thank you, Sim. Sim, uh, just remind us of the name of your book, and also where people may be able to find you on social media, etc., yeah, so uh, my book is Simply Church. It's a new fancy pink cover. We just redid a whole other, um, a version of it with a whole piece around weather in the storm regarding the issue of COVID and the pandemic. How do you face a storm as a church and get through it? And so that, that's a really helpful piece and some really practical things in there as well. And uh, my kids laugh at me because my, my, all my stuff um, is all under my name, Sim Dendy. There's no weird names. If you want to find me on social media, at Sim Dendy gets me on all platforms. And I'd love to engage. And I'm keen to support leaders any way that we can to serve to make sure the church grows stronger as leaders grow healthier. Brilliant. Well, it's been great to be together today and we want to thank Sim again and uh, want to thank you for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe and even share this to anyone that it would be helpful, this conversation around healthy leader and healthy church. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next time on the Church Explained podcast.